Hello, everyone. Welcome to my podcast, Layers in Media. I am your host, Aisha Sala. Today, I am going to be discussing the film While You Were Sleeping. And the reason is a good friend of mine, Kirby, shout out, hope you're listening, really wanted to support this new podcast, really wanted to give her feedback on the uh, episodes and the way it's structured, but she had not seen The Joker and she had not seen the film V for Vendetta. So she couldn't really take the time to listen to those episodes. Lo and behold, one day we're having a conversation and she's talking about how much she loves the romantic comedy While You Were Sleeping, starring Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't even know anyone else my age had watched that rom-com, let alone had liked it because that was something that I grew up with. So I was like, okay, I know exactly what I'm doing for my next podcast episode. I hope you like the episode, Kirby. I hope you are somewhat impressed. I hope to hear feedback on what you think I can do better and what I can change. And I hope you like hearing me geek out over While You Were Sleeping for a little bit. While You Were Sleeping was directed by John Turtletaub, who I know him mostly for his work on National Treasure. I don't know how y'all feel about those movies, but I freaking loved National Treasure. I even loved the sequel. I thought that was also pretty well done. In this movie, the main actors are Sandra Bullock, who plays Lucy. I know Sandra Bullock mostly from, well, so many movies really, because she's a boss. Uh, Miss Congeniality, Blindside, Gravity, The Proposal, Two Weeks Notice. She is a phenomenal lead actress in anything that she does. She really knows how to work the spotlight and she always brings such relatable characters to the screen, which I thoroughly appreciate. Um, And then the other main lead in the film is Bill Pullman, who plays the character Jack. I know Bill Pullman mostly from Independence Day and Spaceballs. He was also ironically in Sleepless in Seattle. But, you know, in While You Were Sleeping, he plays the romantic lead, while in Sleepless in Seattle, he plays the kind of gross, nasally character that you don't actually want the lead actress or romantic lead to get with because you obviously want her to get with Tom Hanks in the end for Sleepless in Seattle, obviously. And then there is also uh, Peter Gallagher who plays, well, Peter. I actually, this is fascinating. I know him because I just saw the first episode of the new TV show, Zoe's Exceptional Playlist. And I think that's amazing because this is from 1995 and Zoe's Exceptional Playlist just released in 2020. So Gallagher's got quite a popping career, you know, he's still going at it. And apparently he can sing because Zoe's Exceptional Playlist, he sings True Colors and he actually does it really well. Okay, so because we are entering into new territory on this podcast, in terms of genre, as this is a romantic comedy I am discussing, we are going to be switching up the sequences. So before, for the darker genres I was going into, um, for Joker and for V for Vendetta, the sequences were separated into the epic moments, the gut punches, and then the themes. For this romantic comedy, or for romantic comedies in general, I'm trying to see if this formula will work. The sequences that I am going to be going over are going to be the cheese ball sequence. So all the cheesy moments that are absolutely necessary in romantic comedies. And then the moments of emotional gratification, moments where I feel really happy 
but I also kind of want to cry because of just like the layers of emotion that are attached in the scene. And then the heartbreak moments, emotional stab wounds from romantic comedies, always a necessary part of the journey. And then the relatability sequence. So kind of delving into why we as an audience really like these particular characters and why we are really rooting for them to find true love in the end. Okay, entering in the cheese ball sequence. Okay, so in While You Were Sleeping, the first obvious cheeseball sequence is the mix-up at the hospital where Lucy is trying to see the man that she just saved on the train tracks. And she, you know, she has this quirk about her character where she speaks to herself. And so, you know, the nurses and the doctors aren't listening to her because she isn't family. So she starts talking to herself and she's like, oh, but I was, I was going to marry the guy, which obviously she wasn't going to marry the guy. She was just fantasizing about him because he was this cute guy who always came up to her token booth when he was going to take the train. But the nurse hears her say the line, I'm going to marry him or I was going to marry him. And she immediately gets all the right connects and gets her into the room and gets her to start speaking to Peter because she thinks this is his legitimate fiance. Such a cheeseball sequence. So funny the way it was done. Just like the level of romantic appreciation on the nurse's face and obviously subsequently the uh, shock and horror on Lucy's or Sandra Bullock's face because... um, the nurse mentions that this is the fiance of Peter to the actual family, the actual parents, the actual siblings of Peter. And that's just just like a cheeseball horror show for a romantic comedy. Totally fun. Totally funny. Absolutely love. Okay, so the next cheesy sequence in While You Were Sleeping is the complications set up. So within the time span of like 20 seconds, they managed to give you the information of Peter's ex calling to leave a voicemail, agreeing to marry Peter because he proposed a significant time ago. And then Jack arriving post-Christmas party to find Lucy sleeping on the couch and him wondering who the heck this stranger is. It's super cheesy because of the way they just bring in all of these elements in order to build up the drama and build up the anxiety for Lucy, but it's also just super funny, super fun, super necessary for a romantic comedy. I highly encourage all romantic comedy mashups of super complex things that shouldn't be happening, but do. The next cheese ball sequence is the pregnancy miscommunication where Lucy is in the token booth and Peter's younger sister who she's actually become really close with comes into the booth with one of her best friends and spills the beans that she's engaged to Peter which she actually is not she is not engaged to Peter still and Lucy obviously hasn't mentioned anything to her co-workers so when her co-worker hears that she is engaged she's freaking out because she should have been the first to know and then you know Lucy kind of tries to write it off as the sister and the best friend are leaving the token booth and she's like oh yeah I don't know I'm I'm also pregnant too but the best friend hears that line and takes Lucy seriously then so she communicates it to the sister and then the sister communicates it to the parents and the aunts and the godfather and 
to Jack and now everyone thinks Lucy is pregnant and it's just so insane how far a miscommunication can go and it's so cheesy it's so over dramatic but I love it another cheese ball moment is Peter's proposal to Lucy when like a couple of days after he gets out of his coma I I absolutely hate this scene because it is the worst and the fact that Lucy takes it seriously and actually agrees to it I mean I understand why she does it but also but just the wording of Peter's proposal where he says you know everybody else loves you and I'm entering a new chapter of my life after getting out of this coma and I feel great and uh, I might as well love you oh my god note to all men never say that because it sounds awful. Holy Lord. I just wanted to punch Peter in the face. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to punch Peter in the face as soon as he got out of the coma, but that especially. Such a cheese ball moment. Hated it. Didn't think it was necessary, but it was actually was necessary. But yeah, emotions, high emotions for that scene. Okay. Um, another cheese ball moment, but I actually really love this cheese ball moment is Jack putting the engagement ring into the token dish to get onto the train and the whole family being at the window as he proposes to Lucy. So we have been waiting for Lucy and Jack to really just embrace their obvious attraction and love for each other. And the fact that we're seeing Lucy at her job in the token booth, just constantly collecting the token as people get onto the train and go about their lives as she's just sitting there stuck is a very common scene to see throughout the movie. So to have the movie end with her not getting a token for someone to get onto the train, but for her to get an engagement ring, like that was actually really clever. Super cheesy, but so necessary for the ending and for how the proposal was supposed to go. Honestly, I love very specific proposals that are catered to the uniqueness of the character that we are following. I love when romantic comedies get creative with proposals. I think that is an essential part of a really good romantic comedy. The proposal has to be unique, has to be catered specifically to the quirks of the main character. And if it isn't, then it just, it fails. And then uh, the last cheese ball scene that I want to mention is at the end when Lucy is doing the last bit of voiceover narration. Within the writing, they're weaving the movie title into the dialogue. So Lucy is saying, Peter once asked when it was that I fell in love with Jack. And I told him, it was while you were sleeping. So cheesy, but I love it. This was actually, okay, it's really, I'm very picky about what movies I like in terms of how they weave the, um, the title into the dialogue. Like usually I think a lot of movies don't do it really well. And I prefer it when movies don't try to weave the title of the movie into the actual dialogue. I think it doesn't work that well. But in While You Were Sleeping, it just worked so well. Sandra Bullock delivered that line so beautifully. And just hearing her say, you know, I fell in love with Jack while you were sleeping. It felt so natural, but also corny. But also I love it. 
and also I wouldn't change it for the world. And that's actually the end of the cheese ball sequence. For all of the weird, quirky, dramatic scenes that are in While You Were Sleeping, the cheesiness is kept at a minimum, which I appreciate. If a romantic comedy is overly cheesy, it doesn't work for me personally. I just, I get really turned off. I don't, because if it's too cheesy, I have to pause the movie and I have to um just brace myself just like with the overflowing amounts of cheese that are coming out of the screen. This one was a really well-balanced, cheesy movie and I appreciate that. Okay, next sequence. Moments of emotional gratification in While You Were Sleeping. The first one that comes to mind is the immediacy of Lucy being included in the family when they discover, quote unquote, discover that she is Peter's fiance. Honestly, it's a scene that's both heartbreaking and hilarious at the same exact time because Lucy's main thing as a character is that she has no family. Her mother wasn't there for her growing up and her father had died just recently due to his cancer. So she was very much alone in her apartment with her cat who was not very emotionally supportive. So when she saves Peter's life and this family comes in, you know, hustling and bustling and loud and obnoxious and, and instantly loving and generous and welcoming. It's just the most heartwarming thing for her to just love them immediately and for them to show her instant love and appreciation. It's something that we really wanted for her character as Lucy. And when we get it so quickly, it feels so right, but it makes you want to cry because because you know that because she isn't actually Peter's fiance, it's something that potentially she might have to sacrifice as soon as the truth comes out. And so it was an emotionally gratifying moment, but also made me want to cry, obviously. Okay. And that leads me into the second emotionally gratifying moment where Lucy actually spends Christmas with the Callahans. Lucy was trying to avoid them as much as possible because Obviously, she feels guilty that they think she's engaged to Peter. And obviously, it's not right to take advantage of a family when you don't actually belong with them. But she hates the idea of being alone for another Christmas. So she's there in her apartment eating her frozen microwave dinner. And she's trying to get her cat to come to the table to eat dinner with her. But, you know, the cat's off doing something else. And so she is actually alone with her plate of food and with the cat's plate of food across from her and no one there. And the loneliness of the moment sinks in so much that she actually goes and takes up the Callahan's invitation to spend Christmas with them. And I, I just, it was so emotionally gratifying to see her sit amongst the family to eat dinner with them, to watch them open presents, to get the surprise of the fact that they actually had a present for her, to see the stocking with her name up, up above the fireplace. It was just, it was 
so amazing to see her get everything that she had dreamed of. I mean, besides the perfect man that she didn't get, but the family, the beauty of just having family and company and her not being alone on Christmas, which is what she assumed. And yeah, definitely emotionally gratifying. Definitely a happy tears moment for me. Um, okay. Another emotionally gratifying moment is, uh, Saul, who is the godfather of Peter and the best character in the film for me personally. Um, Saul telling Lucy that he knows that she isn't actually engaged to Peter. And, you know, he joins her in the facade. Um, he says this line, this family needs Lucy and Lucy needs them. And he's just like this wise older character who understands that these people need each other. And he recognizes just how much of a gem Lucy is. And he he doesn't want the family to lose her. He doesn't want to lose her. So he just joins in, which I think is so awesome because it means that he recognizes the lie that she's playing out, but he also recognizes that that lie doesn't define her, you know, that she's so much more than that. And he wants her to feel the family connection that he feels with the Callahans. Such an emotionally gratifying moment. I freaking love Saul. Um, another emotionally gratifying moment is with Jack. Jack is in the hospital playing cards with Peter, who's in a coma. So he's basically playing against himself, which is super corny. And I, I love it. And, you know, he's having this conversation with Peter in a coma about Lucy. And he's talking about, you know, all of the things that he had growing up. And he was, he says the line, you know, I was never envious of anything that you had until now. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I freaking love that line. It makes me love Jack so much. I can't even begin. Oh my God. And then he goes on in the scene to, um, like he, he wants to compete for Lucy through cards. He's like, okay, um, uh, the highest, the person who gets the highest card gets Lucy. And so he picks a card out for himself and then he picks a card out for Peter. And then he realizes that Peter in a coma has the higher card. So he, so he obviously lost and he's like, all right, let's do two out of three, <laughs> which I think is so funny. It was definitely a great romantic comedy moment because it had the romance of him being in love with Lucy and us as the audience swooning over his envy over Peter, who doesn't even have Lucy. And then the comedy of it, which is him playing cards with a person in a coma and him still losing, which is just utterly hilarious. Okay. Another emotionally gratifying moment is Saul's pep talk to Peter because Peter is finally awake from the coma. And the funny thing is, is <laughs> everyone thinks he's got amnesia because he doesn't remember being engaged to Lucy, even though the guy obviously does not have amnesia. Lucy was never engaged to him. I just think that's such a funny little element that they put in. But, you know, Saul really wants Peter to love Lucy because he loves Lucy so much. The family loves Lucy so much and he really wants Lucy to be a part of this family. So he goes in and gives Peter a pep talk 
because he's Peter's uh, godfather. And he says the line, if in two minutes you don't see what it only took seconds for us to see, you can go back to being a putz. I thought that was hilarious. It was such an emotionally gratifying moment because he is really fighting for Lucy here. He really wants Lucy to have her happy ending because she's such a good person and she's so kind and she's so generous and she's 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 willing to give her everything for this family. And I just I oh my god, Saul is such so good at giving monologues and he and just like that emotional gratification of him really putting up a fight for Lucy and really trying to get Peter to open his eyes, even though Peter is <laughs> poor Peter. He, he really has no recollection. This girl has never been in his life and he's just pushed into this idea of a relationship with this complete stranger. That was a pretty difficult situation, but he also ended up being a douche, so I'm fine. And then the last emotionally gratifying moment that I wanted to discuss was Jack and Peter discussing Lucy. So it's the scene where Jack is pushing Peter through the hospital because he's getting transferred to a different level. And they're both talking about Lucy. Peter has just had the pep talk with Saul and he's just had a conversation with Lucy and he's really trying to fall in love with her as much as everyone else around him is. And it's so funny because he's, you know, saying, you know, oh, there's something about Lucy and and I don't know what it is, but it's great. And and Jack comes in and he's like, oh, I know what it is. You know, she she frustrates you and she makes you love her and and she does these annoying things and she's got these annoying quirks, but you can't help but be in love with her. And then, you know, Peter, because he's still kind of out of it from all the drugs, is just like, nah, Ah, that's not it. But, you know, I'm going to figure it out what it is about Lucy that makes her special. And Jack just up and leaves him mid hospital corridor, not giving a crap because he's just he is angry that he does not have Lucy. Such an emotionally gratifying moment. It's, it's a moment that makes you absolutely love Jack. There's several moments that really make you love Jack. But that one specifically is the romantic comedy moment that you are waiting for. Okay. The next sequence is the heartbreak moments, always essential to a romantic comedy experience. No arguments. Okay. First heartbreak moment is when the boss, when Lucy's boss convinces her to work Christmas because she is the only one without family. And then, you know, we get the story of her father of how he was the only person in her life for such a long time. He was her family and how he had gotten cancer a couple years back and he was fighting it with all these experiments at the university and everything and how just like a year previously he had decided to quit fighting because he didn't he didn't want to be experimented on with all of these new drugs and that was how he left and so you really feel the heartbreak of why she's alone, what led to her being alone in her life. And the fact that the boss was using that loneliness as a way to take advantage of her during the holidays was such a heartbreak moment. And to see her kind of just accept that that was her reality. Like, I understand that you're asking me to work Christmas because I am the only one who doesn't have family. I am the only one who nobody is waiting for at the dinner table or to open presents under the Christmas tree. And it's just heart wrenching 
touching. I, oh my God. But it's something that immediately endears you to Lucy because you, you immediately know exactly what you want for this character. Next heartbreak moment is when Lucy's talking about what she is waiting for in terms of the one, you know, the one that she's always thinking of, the, the prince of her dreams, the prince charming, the, the, the romantic other half of her soul or whatever. And she says the line, I never met anybody I could laugh with. And it's during the monologue where she's talking about the good but lonely life that she has had. And it's such it's such an amazing part of her character to be revealed through dialogue because she understands that she's lucky. She's got food, she's got clothes, she's got a job, she's got, you know, shelter, but she feels this void in her life, this lack of connection that she really wants, like she really craves this. And it does so much for a character when they express their gratification for the life that they've lived, but they also express a longing for something a little bit more special than having your basic needs fulfilled at all times. And yeah, it's definitely a heartbreak moment for me. Next heartbreak moment is Jack confronting her about being pregnant with Peter's child uh, because of the stupid rumor that that got miscommunicated and got spread around to the rest of the family and how that conversation eventually spirals because, you know, Jack is talking to Lucy about her being pregnant and Lucy saying, you know, I'm not pregnant. That was a mistake. And you shouldn't have believed the words of a teenager who didn't doesn't know what she's talking about. And him accidentally implying that Peter wouldn't be with Lucy any other way unless she got prematurely pregnant. Oh my God, that's such a heartbreak moment because Jack is, Jack is talking for Peter and, and not, and he's, but he's not trying to, he's not trying to be an idiot. He just, he just is one and he's not trying to insult her. He just, he just happens to do it because he just had a poor choice of words. And as the audience, you really feel that you're like, oh, dude, don't, don't screw it up like that. You were doing so well. But Lucy felt it. You know, Lucy is just like, oh, I get it. Peter would only marry me as a matter of responsibility if I got pregnant. And Jack is like, God, I didn't mean that because we know, we know that Jack is just really disturbed with the fact that she's with Peter because she should be with him. This is, this is the girl of Jack's dreams and, and Jack has to deal with this whole drama of her being engaged to Peter when in fact, you know, Peter and Lucy do not know each other. Sad moment for Jack, but don't worry, he does redeem himself. The last heartbreak moment for me specifically is, okay, so Lucy has just agreed to marry Peter and Jack has come to him, to her apartment to give her like a wedding gift or something. And Lucy really wants Jack to give her a sign that, sh that he thinks he should be with her as well. And so she stops him before he leaves the building altogether. And she asks, can you give me any reason why I shouldn't marry your brother? And Jack, he pauses for a long moment and then he looks up at her and he says, I can't. Because you have to understand, Jack actually really loves and respects his brother and doesn't want to take anything good away from him, especially for selfish purposes. Like that's something that Jack really tries to avoid. So I understand why he says it, but it's such a heartbreak moment because Lucy was giving him this chance to really 
express and vocalize what they both are feeling and Jack decides not to. And it's such a killer, like it's such a killer scene. It's so devastating for us as the audience because we really just, we want them to be together. So this was the ultimate moment where we, where they were just, they failed to take the chance and it killed us. Okay end of the heartbreak sequence and going into the last sequence, the relatability sequence. Okay. So this sequence is more like, um, what it is about the character, the main character that we're following that draws us in as the audience, like why we care so much about this particular character's story and why we're invested in their happiness. And for romantic comedies, I think the way to do that best is to make the character as relatable as possible. That's how you get people to care when when you get the audience to see a version of themselves in the character that's being followed. A first relatable moment for Lucy as a character is Lucy's fantasy of her prince. She has this voiceover where she's talking about one day the guy noticing her be and her being perfectly confident and her having the bravery to someday go after her true love. And honestly, Lucy is so relatable in that moment because how often do we wish we were more confident in our pursuit of love? How often do we wish that the guy that you really want notices you for everything that you have to offer and doesn't hesitate to dedicate himself to you? Like this is such a common romantic fantasy, I think, for anyone and everyone. And so when you hear Lucy fantasize about this Prince Charming that she is convinced will one day notice her and one day she'll be brave enough to go after him, it's just she becomes every single person in the audience. And that's why we're invested in her finding true love, regardless of all the ridiculous things that are going on in her life and all the mistakes that she might make, because at the end of the day, she is us and we want her to succeed. Okay. Second truly relatable moment for Lucy is, you know, we get the introduction of Peter because Lucy just constantly watches him as he goes through the token booth and then gets to the train. And this is how she's seeing Peter every day. And she's so convinced that Peter is the absolute perfect man. You know, the way he dresses, the way he looks, the way his hair waves in the wind. He's just utter perfection. And she recognizes him for that. But he never speaks to her. And so that's where the voiceover narration comes where she's just like, you know, one day he'll notice me. So on the day that she's working Christmas and she's utterly miserable at work, he actually comes up. And because he's like one of the few people getting onto the train, he takes the time to say, Merry Christmas, before he goes off and puts the token coin in and goes to wait for the train. And Lucy is utterly speechless. And she, and after, you know, she halters and she, she doesn't know how to respond because she's so shocked by the moment. He's already gone. And she's just talking to herself in the booth. And she's just like running through everything that she could have said if she wasn't so dumb and so tongue tied in the moment. And she just practices different responses like, oh, Merry Christmas. 
have a great day. I love you. Marry me. <laughs> it was it was so relatable because how often does that happen? It doesn't even have to be specifically when it comes to someone that you're interested in. Just for any conversation where you don't have the words in the moment and then a day could go by, hours could go by, a week could go by, a month could go by, and then you find your brain replaying that conversation and you vocalizing the responses that you should have said, the responses that would have been better in said conversation or in said argument. But especially with the person that you're crushing on, where you really want to be as cool as possible and say all of the cool lines and make sure that you don't sound dumb or tongue-tied, especially in that moment, you want to have the right words. So when you don't, it hurts 10 times more. And that was just so relatable to see Lucy go through that and to to go through the talking to herself and replaying the scene and hope, wishing that she could have done it just slightly better so that he would have been interested. So relatable. It made me love her so much because that's something that like I constantly think about. Third moment that was truly relatable with Lucy was um, Lucy's monologue where she says, you ever seen somebody where you thought, if only they really knew you, they would dump the perfect model they were with and realize that you were the one they wanted to grow old with. And the way Sandra Bullock delivers this monologue is, it's so incredible because it's so sincere. She really has this amazing talent where whenever she delivers a particularly heartfelt line, you feel that there's such an authenticity to the emotions behind the lines that she is delivering. Specifically that sentence where you you have this hope for that perfect person that you are constantly interested in where y you really think that you're just invisible to them you're you're invisible to the person that you are in love with from a distance and you you genuinely believe that if they just took the slightest moment out of their day to recognize you for how funny you are or for how caring you are, for how generous you are with your spirit and your and your kindness, then maybe they could really love you as much as you love them. And it just, it makes her so relatable because we all have that. We all have this belief that we might be worthy of love if only someone would recognize that they could love us in return. And I just, I just think that was such a, a beautifully put sentence and it, it made her so endearing as a character because it immediately resonates with the audience who's watching. Okay, next relatable moment is Lucy's trip to Florence, Italy that she's planning quote unquote very soon. Honestly, I cannot tell you how relatable that is to so many people and so many people's 
plans for, you know, the futures that they have envisioned for themselves. Lucy has this thing where throughout the movie, anyone who asks her about, you know, what she's going to do or what she's planning on doing or if she has any plans, Lucy's constant response is, oh, I'm I'm, I'm planning a, you know, a, a trip to Florence, Italy really soon. It, it's like um, a fixation for her. She, she really wants to live her life. She really wants to travel the world, but she has been stuck in Chicago this entire time and she hasn't had the bravery to follow her dreams. She hasn't had the confidence or the courage to really go after what she wants. And I think that makes her one of the most relatable romantic female leads in a romantic comedy ever. I mean, honestly, it's it's so relevant to this feeling of being stuck and wanting to just go and break free from this life and this routine that you've built yourself into. So yeah, super relatable moment for Lucy, for sure. And the last relatable moment that I wrote down was, oh, okay, I love this. It's the dinner table. Uh, it's it's like uh, the the dinner table scene uh, at the at the Callahans. I I love the dialogue of this scene. It's because the dialogue that's written for this dinner table scene captures the randomness of conversation. Like um, the Callahans randomly start talking about height and actors who were tall and actors who were short and actors who and but then but then like some people veer off into different subjects like okay no actors who are dead or versus actors who are alive and it's so funny because I can't tell you how many conversations I've had where we'll get to the end of a conversation and we'll just pause in confusion because we have absolutely no idea how we got there. So I love how that was captured. And I love how in between that scene, um, Jack was asked what his type is in terms of like what he prefers in girls. And and he, he, he says, oh, you know, I like him blonde and I like him short. And the sister calls him out later on where he's like, where she's like, you like brunettes. And I love watching um, Lucy's face when she just like stares at him across the table because she knows, she so knows that she's his type and he doesn't want to admit that. Oh my God, such an amazing scene. Love that scene. Okay. And the way I want to end this particular podcast focusing on this romantic comedy is I want to pinpoint the most romantic scene in the entire film. Kirby, if you do not agree with me on this, then we're going to have some serious issues because I am right. This is this is the absolute most romantic thing that happened in the entire film. It is when Jack goes to Lucy's apartment and gives the snow globe with the city of Florence to her as a wedding present. I cannot tell you how insanely romantic that scene was to me. It had me gasping and swooning and I had my hand to my forehead to wipe away the heat. Like it was so romantic and I I, I couldn't like stop crying at how wonderful and brilliant Jack was. And Lucy's speechlessness of her just looking at the city of Florence in the palm of her hand. Oh my God. 
definitely the most romantic scene in the entire film. Hands down, no arguments allowed, no arguments necessary, because obviously I am right. And that is how I'm going to end this. All right. This was super fun. Kirby, I really hope you enjoyed that. Um, Cannot wait to hear your feedback. And I'll talk to you next time, guys. This is Layers in Media, a perspective. And I am your host, Aisha Sala. This will be the first time anyone.